You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans, where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs by an artist without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 55, this week's artist, Pantera. I'm broken, hollow, no good, becoming shattered since I first woke from the sleep 25 years ago. I guess I'll live in a hole, since lately I'll cast a shadow as I walk by regular people. I clash with reality. The cemetery gates are looming, and the instant I start to write a suicide note, I knew I needed to break out of this death trap and realize that I can't hide, and yesterday don't mean shit. I'll be alright. Spending time with good friends and a bottle of pills, this love from tens of friends should uplift my life to a new level. I need to rise like the floods and join the underground in America with your hosts, Rob Heitman, Jacob Newkirk, and founding member of Shiny Toy Guns and Paradigm, Stephen Petrie. Hey, welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen or Top 12 Pantera songs while discussing their music and pounding back a few adult beverages in this case. Mm -hmm. I'm Rob. I'm Jake. I'm Steven. Hey, I would like to thank everybody who's been active on Facebook page. While we can't give out a shout to everybody, I'd like to call out a few people. Dave Devlin, Christina Jarno, and Alex Hannon. Thank you so much for being a part of it. So, Steve, welcome again, man. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> and it was kind of funny. It was like when Jake and I heard that you were going to do the Pantera podcast, we're like, okay. And we both looked at each other and went, <laughs> because it's not something that I would expect that you would have been a fan of. Well, I guess being a kid in the 90s and in the rock and probably more on the alternative side, right. I remember a group of us. In the summertime, you know, we had the top down on the Mustang and this cassette tape of mm. the Vulgar album was just all summer. Oh, nice. And I remember, number one, connecting to it in that way. Summer, heavy, dirty guitar riff. So that yeah, yeah. in my mm. mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember some of those riffs. So I do think this would be more of an assignment for me rather than going, I'm a huge fan of the band. You know what I mean? So I think it's an assignment, but I still connected to those guitar riffs as if it were, mm. you know, 1990. Okay. So Jake, how did you first hear of uh, Pantera as you're like, have probably have Pantera tat on you somewhere? I do have a black tooth. Uh, oh, there you, yeah. there you go. <laughs> I figured. Mine was also a vulgar album, but he showed it to me. We're sitting in, his dad had a really cool lifted truck with this great sound system and he had the CD and put it in and we just listened to that album and so loud and just rocked out and it blew my mind. So that was my first kind of dose. And I was like, because it's heavy, but there's just such that groove and it's just catchy and those riffs were just sticking out. So from that point on, I became a, a big fan and big major influence on what I did musically after that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was my first concert. I saw him in 96 with uh, the White Zombie tour with oh, them. Nice. And, uh, yeah. That's nice. I heard they went on tour with Black Sabbath. Yeah, 99. I saw that too. You saw that too? Was that good? How, how was them as they, an opener? Better than Sabbath. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think that's the thing with the energy that they brought everyone was wiped out by the time Sabbath came out and then they played for like two something hours. So yeah, were... I saw the set for that. That was kind of cool. They had the barbed wire and all that stuff going on. Yeah. I love it. They're trying to be a little, this little, this is a shirt I got oh, actually got from 96. Wearing, wow. You still have wearing it. the garb. Yeah. He had to cut out the arms a little got, bit. Because yeah, his... Sleeves have to come off because yeah. they're falling off. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. For me, I wasn't a huge Pantera fan. Honestly, I had heard Cowboys from hell from my friend who had the mixtapes and stuff. And then I just went all total grunge for a while when they were taking off. I kind of was a big mm -hmm. metalhead with Anthrax and Megadeth and Metallica in the 80s. And as that came through, I kind of lost 
the beginning of Pantera, really. I heard a little bit, and then the grunge movement came on, and I kind of fell deep into that well. Mm. But, tell you what, some of the most amazing albums, Vulgar is amazing. Uh, Cowboys, I like because it has that 80s sort of metal vibe. It's not quite as... <laughs> As good as power metal, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Much too. a lot of people don't even know. And maybe let's just start rolling into the next thing without discussing a specific song. What's one thing you learned about Pantera in preparation for this podcast? Start with Jake. Nothing, man. I, this was easy and hard all at the same time, just because I, I've grown up with this band, so I know so much about them. So there's nothing really that I learned. What's the other part of the question? Oh, that's it. <laughs> okay, that's it. I think See? for me is Pantera were split up from the decades. Right, right. They were two different bands. You know, some bands will start and they're like, oh, we're rebranding or we're changing. And so they change the name. It's the different vibe. They stayed the same. And it really is two eras that even the band tries to get away from. Right. Like most people mm. consider Cowboys from Hell to be the first album. Correct. Although it was the fifth album. Mm. But they could have been still named Gemini. That would have been kind of cool. <laughs> or Eternity, which they almost yeah. did for so lame, so lame. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it, Pantera, is kind of corny too for a name. It's like yeah, now it's so established that well, it sounds cool. The but... sound of the band makes the name cool. Yes, yeah. right. For me, what jumped out the deal with Dimebag after he died. You know, I watched the video and all that. Uh, it's crazy that that's actually out there. But afterward, he was a big Eddie Van Halen fan. And he had requested for a while, Eddie, to get a copy of his yellow guitar that he used on Van Halen 2. Not the regular red one, but the yellow one. He loved that one. He thought it was badass. And his widow reaches out to Eddie and wonders if there's any way that she can get a replica of that guitar still. Maybe to put in his casket. And so Eddie Van Halen shows up at the funeral with the actual guitar from Van Halen 2. And he gives it to the widow. Puts it right she, in She there. puts it in the casket, and he was buried with it. Yeah. So that was something I didn't know. In a kiss casket, even. Was it a kiss <laughs> right. casket? Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense, yeah. too. <laughs> so all of his heroes were at yeah. that funeral. Yep. Paying off. He became uh, friends with all his heroes, which is crazy. You know, thing That's to great. be peers to them. Uh, so we're, we're all drinking in honor of Dime, uh, the Black Tooth Grin. Pretty much Crown and Coke. A lot of Crown, a splash of Coke. Mm -hmm. And some people add Seagram's to it, but I think we're good just like this. It tastes good. And it's sad that I'm almost finished with my first glass, <laughs> which is not a good thing because there was way more Crown and Coke in there. That's how yeah. Dime would have wanted it. <laughs> Phil always told stories. He's like, I, I was sick. I wasn't feeling well. And the door would fly open. Yep. Whiskey medicine. And I was like, they used to take this in the old days. Take it. Do a shot. Yeah. Do a shot. Like in the old, he said in the old West days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. How many concerts did you go to, Jake? I've seen him at least four or five times that I could quickly pull out. Wow. And, yeah. And I saw him last time was that Extreme Steel Tour of 2000, I think, just before 9-11 um, and all that happened. And that was it. Yeah, that was man. in Bakersfield. I saw him. That's cool. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs and we'll share under 20 seconds of each tune unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight and then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to Pantera. We've also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast of the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. Instead of each person reviewing our top 12, we'll discuss the official Dirty Dozen for Pantera only. 
which is we'll go from 12 to 1, pretty straightforward. We calculate from all our lists. And nice and simple, before we get going with the list, we each like to discuss a song that wouldn't be in our top 12, but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our song of note. Mm. So Steve. <laughs> oh, I go first? What is your song of note? From from my very first list, I, I made a list that I put song of note on this one song. I like this one because it was early in their new birth. And I just thought the vocals were left over from the 80s. And I just, I liked it. I, it was almost like a transition song for me. What was the name of the song? Shattered. Devil, it had that know? Judas Priest sort of. Yeah. yeah. The and soaring the, vocals. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he has a baritone voice. Yeah. You don't know that because he, he has range. He can kind of do anything. But this was a moment where one light bulb that went off is like, this guy can do anything. He chooses to do what he mostly does. But I, I thought the, you know, overall riff and things like that, that, it was tight on that as well. But the vocal just had range to it. And it really mm -hmm. is different than anything on all the other albums in the 90s. And I, th I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I think my note, I said, I, this is one song on Cowboys that could be on Metal Magic. Very, it's a transitional yeah. song where you could tell where it came from. But like I said, you can't, those soaring vocals, that guy, yeah, Phil has that ability or had, he can't do that anymore. But... <laughs> But yeah, it was right there. So let's listen to Steve's Song of Note from Cowboys from Hell, Shattered. Okay, that's Shattered, Steve's Song of Note. You know, it's funny, it's... Um, this is kind of embarrassing is in high school, one of my short lived bands, my buddy named our band after the song shattered and which is already pretty corny, but then it was like shattered nights of power. And he came up with it. And the worst part is, is we, in the yearbook, we had like a page that there's a, this stupid band that doesn't exist anymore, but it's just, it's, it's so silly. <laughs> so now I can never show my yearbook to my kids. <laughs> what year? 96. Six or seven, six. Maybe. But it was taken from this song. Like it was. It yeah, then I don't know where he got Knights of Power from. That's just uh, super <laughs> cheese. But yeah, Shattered was lifted off of this. <laughs> I like Knights of Power even better than Shattered. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Knights of I don't. Power. <laughs> it sounds like He Man, Knights of Power. Yeah, it does, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. All right, Jake, what's your song up there? Oh, this is one I kind of wrestled with for a while because there's so many B-sides and covers that I could have gone with I wanted to do. But I went with this gem and it was off that album we're talking about, Power Metal, from 1988. It's the first song off of Phil's first album with Pantera. He came from New Orleans to, to join them, solidified their sound and their direction where they were going to go. So it still has that very prominent 80s metal Judas Priest influence that we uh, were just commenting on. Yeah, those soaring vocals carried over into Cowboys from Hell, and it still sounds like him. And of course, Dime has some ripping guitar work in here. And it's the first song you would have heard from Phil. Yeah, from Phil, yeah. Because it's the first lead off of Intro track, Power yeah. Metal. Yeah. Anyway, let's listen to Jake's Song of Note, Rock the World uh, off of Power Metal. And by the way, if you guys want to find this, this will not be on Spotify, Apple Music, or any streaming services, but it's on YouTube. So check it out. Let's listen to Rock the World. Okay, 
Okay, that was Jake's song of note, Rock the World. Steve, what's, any thoughts on it? I think Jack Black would like that. That just seems like a song that he would love. Yeah. <laughs> it kind has of, that rock, would, yeah, yeah, yeah. classic rock. Yeah. Like the Dio kind of sound. Yeah. I thought it sounded a little bit more like Striper. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right, so let's jump to mine. Now, my song is a little bit off the beaten path. I knew you were going to do this one. <laughs> There's a story behind it, but I'm going to just name the song first, and you're not going to be able to find it. Once again, go to the internet, you'll mm-hmm. find it. It's called Puck Off, which is the Dallas Stars theme song. And what they did is they played the song whenever there was a goal. They would play it, but there's a story behind it. When the Dallas Stars, they moved from Minnesota, they came to Dallas, and nobody knew who they were, but there's a couple of bikers on their team, and they happened to go to a biker bar, and Vinny was in the biker bar. And he's like, oh my God, you're Craig Ludwig. And the guy was like, turning around, like, I can, number one, I can't believe somebody knows who I am, <laughs> right? Because their hockey team just moved here to Dallas, like, who wouldn't know anybody? And that it's the drummer from Pantera. Yeah. <laughs> right. So they became really close, and they got really tight with the Dallas Stars. They were just hanging out, and they used to drink all the time, and just hang out with each other. And then all of a sudden, Craig Ludwig had talked to Vinny, and he's like, hey, man, why don't you just, why don't you write us something? That'd be awesome. And he's like, you really want us to write you something? If you want us to write you something, I'm going to write you something. So they left the party, and they were drinking like crazy. And hockey players drink almost as much as rock stars drink, actually. (laughs) So anyway, they went back, and Dime and him wrote this song, Puck Off. And it's amazing. And there's also a side story about the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. Like, they had a big party after they won the Stanley Cup. They went back to his house after they went to this other party. And they stayed there for like three or four days. Right? <laughs> at Vinny's house. Yeah, at yeah. Vinny's house. And one of these guys, Guy Carbono, was in the balcony. He goes, look, I'm going to, should I throw it in the water? And he throws it and it doesn't hit the water. It hits the patio next to the pool. So there's still a dent mm. in the Stanley Cup <laughs> from him throwing it. And they said, like, the guy who was there to watch the Stanley Cup, yeah, he's like, no, you can't do this. And Vinny's like, we just yeah. <laughs> and the pool is in the shape of a crown royal bottle too oh was it okay yeah. Yeah, that made that would make total sense okay so let's take a listen to this masterpiece of music it's not really but i, I like the story behind it and i think everybody wants to hear it because this is not something you're going to hear everywhere so let's listen to paco off kind of funny that that will be played in an arena and pantera is still on the playlist at dallas stars arena like their other songs just to have a sporting event like it's all hip-hop now or whatever and it's kind yeah. of funny that hockey i don't think has hip-hop playing in there maybe they do a little bit but it's <laughs> they still have the metal playing the metal meets the brutalness of of the game That's but true, it, yeah. also that was written for an arena that was written in a stadium kind of way it had the whole part, feel yeah. to it yeah. like it was perfect it was spot on actually so all right so that was my song of note puck off so let's jump in to the dirty dozen (sighs) now the first song that we're going to talk about number 12 is the only song that only one of us had Hmm. out of the entire list and it still made it to 12 it made it to 12 because Hmm. somebody had this at number four 
probably me. This is off of the Great Southern Trend Kill, oh, the underground me. in America. Jake. Oh, man, I love mm. this song. Go ahead. This album, I think, might be my favorite, and maybe that's why, because maybe it just came around the time when we went to see them live. They, this was what the album they were touring off of. It just was super aggressive. So this is towards the end of the album. I think I just really love the ride that this one takes you on sonically, as well as the lyrical storytelling in this one. Because Phil's commenting on the scenes and calling out posers. There's a super heavy, we are the ones who must support the position parts in there. It's just, it's a weird trip. So it stood out to me and it's always one of my favorite tracks off the album. It's just brutally heavy track with a lot going on. I love the flexibility and the BPM in this too. Yeah. It's it's definitely shifting quite a bit. Oh yeah. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes. And And the intro is kind of creepy, which I kind of like. The tremolo flange effect that Dime uses in the solo is kind of cool. I kind of like that. And oh this, yeah, yeah, I like the book. And this was never actually played by Pantera ever a lot. Play it. <laughs> Let's listen to the Underground in America off of the Great Southern Trend Kill. The number twelve song on the Dirty Dozen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's good stuff. Steve, any thoughts post Underground? I love when Jake said that this might be his favorite album because when it came out, it was so heavy and chaotic and whatever. I, I don't remember the adjective, but I thought that as well of studying it. I thought to myself after that album, I don't know where a band goes. It seems right. so intricate and heavy there's something about this band that i I don't care what the lyrics are i know that for hardcore pantera fans which i've learned are real are real hardcore fans i'm not trying to be disrespectful but i'm just saying there's a certain part of this band that it that attracts me to them and that song displayed it which is that rhythm it's almost like the young man inside of all of us or the young boy almost man inside that that connects to this stuff you know, that's aggressive. Yeah, the testosterone. Like, you kind of, yeah. every once in a while, you want this album to put this album on and just rock out and yep. just, yeah, let it out. You kind of feel like <clears throat> Beavis with the aggression. It's like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a, a healthy expression of, uh, of all that. Just, Get it that's out. That's great. So, anyway, talking about the great Southern Trend Kill, let's stay on that darn album <laughs> with number 11. Steve, you did not have this on your list. Mm. We'll uh, flog you later. Uh, uh, Jake and I both did. I had it at my number eight, and Jake had it as number nine. Uh, This is Floods off the Great Southern Treadkill. Mm. It's about God, you know, sending a flood a la Noah's Ark. Rex said this was his favorite bass line on the whole album. Mm. The solo in this song was rated 15th best of all time from the guitar world. Wow. Mm. He ended up falling right between Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page on the list. It's not a heavy metal solo of all time. It's the best solos of all time. I'm a sucker for the spoken word underneath. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, I, like that That's stuff, funny. I love it. The only minor thing that I didn't like probably stopped it from being much higher on my list was I'm a Metallica fan, and the whole Creeping Death mirroring, I think, by the way they tried to do this in concert. The die, the die, die, die. Yeah. was just mildly, I was like, oh, I like it, but I think it's been done. But the rest of the song was great. So, Jake, go ahead. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't take everything. No, that's good. I, I, would, I agree that Solo, it's one of his crowning solos by far. And especially, yeah. I think on the remastered one, you can hear a lot more of Rex's presence. When I was going back to listen to him, like, wow, you can, they kind of upped his uh, bass parts. 
but yeah the song itself it's it's a twisted ballad it's kind of uh it's haunting and delicate and i think i don't know if you mentioned the outro part with like the rain and stuff there's a another solo that he does that you can actually see it's one of his solos that he used to do live when he did like 20 minute whatever on the stage um that he's been playing that since he was like 19 up on stage in like different uh competitions and things so he used that and then brought it as the outro to this song really 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 cool i like that part it's kind of funny just quick sidebar because you just mentioned it dime used to go and enter these guitar competitions and he won every time he entered yeah no matter when he entered where he entered what he did they made him not enter anymore then he ended up judging i think yeah yeah. (laughs) but yeah it's that ending it just (laughs) it's like weepy and atmospheric it's just really it's one of my favorite part so not only is the solo in the middle grade but then the outro solo is it's outstanding yeah no it's uh fantastic Steve. i think for me just make sure you play the part of the song where the solo is mm-hmm. okay well i will play it but i'm not going to play that for everybody because i want them to get the crux of the song tell you what i'm going to do on this song you're going to play it we'll do two clips i'll do mm-hmm. a clip for the solo which you're still not going to get in 20 seconds you're not going to get the whole solo but you can yeah. get a vibe of it so all and, right and so, the outro too no i'm not gonna do the outro i'm only yeah, we get a third clip for clips. the outro and we're gonna do a little bit just play se- the whole song we're gonna do yeah. they're not gonna clips. sue us they're not they're just not gonna do it <laughs> all right let's listen to the number 11 song of all time according to us which is all that really matters <laughs> floods off of the great southern trend kill And here's the soloy part. One cool thing about that solo that is lost in the beautifulness of Dime, and I love everything that Dime did in that solo. Mm. He's fantastic. The tone is fantastic. Mm. Everything's fantastic. But... The bass line underneath yeah. is killer. Yeah. And he's doing walking through like the back half of that solo. Yeah. He's walking almost entirely it's through so that. And you can hear it. Like I said, you can hear it in the remastered ones that they just. I think I'm playing the remastered yeah. one. Yeah. Because before it was kind of lost on me. And then re- revisiting some of these like, wow, Rex is really great. And he knew kind of the tasty parts to throw in there when to do it and not just always mirror the riff, which so many bass players do. But One thing I loved about their production, and, and this is consistent, meaning production not with this song, just in general, when he did go to a solo like that, they didn't overproduce it. They left space for that to be what it was. So you could say, well, the energy drops in the sense of the heart-heavy rhythm, but it's awesome because to me, it leaves space. And then he was so good, it actually shined a light even brighter right, on that. Right. While the bass still held it together with the drum, it wasn't overproduced. Because mm. a lot of solos, you'll have your big rhythms with four tracks of this, and then you'll have your solo over that. They're like, yeah. no, when when Dime's playing, there's not another guitar player. We're, right. It's, it's going to be what it is. Like live. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now, I heard cuts in this solo. I hear where they kind of stopped uh, from what I gather. However, it's still very natural to who they are as a band. Yeah. 
And I remember around this time too, seeing him on the Panzer White Zombie tour, they vocally were kind of making fun of White Zombie for doing that very thing that you're saying, where like it's just a lot of um, smoke and mirrors because Rob Zombie couldn't really keep up running around and like out of breath and just saying like what we do, we capture it. It's like the live show, what you're hearing on their album, and it's not going to be like these guys, but. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, but Phil, uh, he, he would run his mouth, I think. Thank God he's never gotten in any trouble because of that. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Seattle, and I, I would say maybe I agree with you. Yeah. But did you hear a little bit of Trent in there a little bit, like on the verses? Maybe it's because you recorded this at right. Trent's studio. I oh, felt yeah. a little bit of hmm. that where you could tell that he liked that edge of that of vocal mm. approach. There's something in the verse. I noticed it more on the first verse than the second verse because he kind of went off a little bit more. Or I don't know what they call it, but there was one section I was like, whoa. Hmm. And even lyrically, I was like, wow, that's very trendy. You that know? would make sense. That would make lots of sense. Yeah, I love I love bringing Steve on because he's a producer and he hears some things that maybe right. you and I would miss. Mm. So that's awesome that you can hear Trent Reznor in that. Once you say that, it becomes clear to us that mm. that's absolutely correct. The reason this wasn't in my top 12 to skip the flogging is because this <laughs> is not... You would be flogged <laughs> once, <laughs> twice, three times! You would be flogged! Sorry, this no, sound is not what I like from Pantera. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. That's why. No, I got it. All right. So that was Floods, our number 11. Great tune. Now let's move to a song that I did not have on my list. But you guys had, so I get the oh. vlogging. High five. <laughs> this is Jake's number seven and Steve's number nine. This mm. is off of Far Beyond Driven, Becoming. So, Jake, you're lowest on the board. Go for it. Come on. It's dimes that whammy pedal squeal. It just defines the, the main riff and the song. It makes the song stand out. And maybe it can get a little annoying, but uh, I, I think it was for a guitar player to kind of just push that envelope and like make sounds and different things musicality i think it was it was really cool but also obviously being a drummer Vinny's rapid fire double bass rumble mm -hmm. on this is just insane and such a hard pattern to play especially I, on the back end yeah towards the yeah the outro part yeah i've seen footage of him doing it and everything and it's just it's a struggle i can't do it <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy it's yeah. at the end of it i was like i was like oh my god yeah. i totally see why you, you did it. and for me some reason i didn't like the one was like nails on a chalkboard just a little yeah. for me. which part the, no that's why Wham. i'm with you yeah no i'm with you i'm, I'm I, with I jake jake this is don't try to get out of the flogging because <laughs> we picked this song for the same reason guitar wise it's pushing the envelope this guy is why i like pantera totally like oh, no, yeah. totally like yeah. like th without him yeah I don't care about anything else. They're all great on their own, but without Dimebag. This bag, dude yeah, was, yeah. was yeah. a product. This guy was yeah. incredible. His creativity and how he approached it, it evokes an emotion that makes you yeah. want to just, yeah. it, it's very exciting. And that part, the, like, I don't know how he did that, but I love it. It fits. I think it's a cool technique. I just didn't particularly like it in this, but I liked the the rest of the song is fantastic and i think if that would have been just a little bit not as trebly i i think i may have had that up i just for some reason it was just it was that one thing and i listened to it as if it were it was a part you know what i mean yeah. it wasn't it wasn't it. like an effect that would go like a vocal delay or what it was literally a part of the riff it that's is, what yeah. i loved about yeah. it you know because it's a he has to manually well he does i think when he was playing he had a guy hitting the pedal in the right. back to do it but it, someone had to do that to achieve that sort of squeal at that moment that part it's good to have roadies 
Yeah. <laughs> but I bet he figured out how to do it. Yeah. I bet he did it. Oh, Phil has a decent quote on this. He goes, Dimebag Daryl had this, <laughs> found this funky new noisy ass fucking pedal and he came up with this heavy monstrous fucking riff with his pedal. Are I you adding it. those in? No, no, He's really quote. quoted here, but that sounds about right. <laughs> because it was, you know, screechy as fuck. You know, original sounding and ugly at the same time. And also the drum beat with the kick drum patterns are fucking outrageous, man. <laughs> the riff is heavy, very Pantera to the max. And fuck, man, you know, I'll, I'll fight you. <laughs> uh, but it, it has a huge chorus. And that song yeah. embodies the spirit of Pantera very well. And by the way, Phil is a freaking awesome interview. I watch so much of him and I love watching his he's, interviews. He's a cool dude. Yeah. He gets a really bad rap, but he's a real yeah. cool dude. Yeah. I think I'm on the bad rap side. <laughs> because I think Dimebag was and the brothers really were the gold. Yeah. That drove down deeper than anything else even though without Phil that band didn't have that expression mm-hmm. to take over the world. They yeah. needed each other. There was a constant tension mm-hmm. that was there that was healthy when it was healthy, but then when it turned, that became really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. And I think that's a good commentary on a snapshot of this era when it was happening because they weren't getting along and they'd moved away and they were, well, at least Phil was doing other projects a lot and they weren't sure, are you in or are you out? <clears throat> But I think now in Phil's older age, like when you watch these interviews and stuff, he's he's mellowed out. He's he's like lightened up, doesn't take himself seriously. I think he owns his machismo yeah. back then or whatever was going on, also drugs and everything. So it, it does suck that he was like kind of a puffed up chest. Well, I think guy, he was but... kind of embarrassed about the whole heroin thing. Yeah, overdosing. And that was kind of why he was at Trenton Reznor studio. Mm-hmm. That's because according to him, that's the reason that he wasn't in the studio with them because he wanted to do heroin. And he was embarrassed to do it in front of the guys. And quite frankly, all the, all the guys were shocked. They didn't know, yeah. They were they shocked kept... when he OD'd. And he was dead for like five minutes mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. That was a week before I saw them for that, that concert. He just OD'd and then... So you saw the Arisen. Oh, yeah. If he had died then, I would have never seen Pantera. There you go. Wow. But he knew that you were coming to that show. Thanks, so Phil. So he knew that yeah. he came back to like, Jake's going to be there. He, I pulled him through. <laughs> All right, let's listen to the number 10 song, Becoming Off of Far Beyond Driven. The drums, I, I love how they put the that the beater is so heavy because so it'll make it cut through. Yeah. <laughs> so Just good. to get that big bombastic <laughs> rumble. Yeah. All right, that was becoming our number ten. So let's move to our <laughs> number nine, and this one Steve is sitting out, oh. and Jake and me again. This is my number nine, and I'm gonna leave Jake in suspense to see what it is before <laughs> I call it. This is off of Reinventing the Steel, so you know what song it is. It's Revolution Is My Name. It's Jake's number yeah, three. number three. So why don't you take the lead, my friend? This is my least favorite album of theirs, although sure. I like it. But this is the standout track of the album to me. That guitar squealing intro, it goes for a while, but then it snaps right into it with that See, that I like snare. this one. I like this one. 
yeah there's so many parts to this song it killer riff work all over this thing to multiple tempo shifts and uh, rhythm changes and sometimes it feels like it wants to spin out of control being the brothers they just are so tight and know each other so well it just it's always composed and held together but i think this song really has some of dime's most insane guitar work and the band is tight Phil's vocals are just, they sound right on. You just like this solo because the drums underneath are cowbell? ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, they're But I mean, the drums underneath are, are just amazing. And yeah, this cowbell. The whole band, it's just, it's one of those. The cowbell is after the solo. It's not during the oh, solo, yeah. I don't think. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. And the music video is kind of funny too with them as kids, but like still have beards and long hair and everything. It's it's silly, but it's also just uh, such a great song. Phil on this is amazing. I, I yeah. like him flying between the singing yeah. and the, the barking. Kind he of was thing. right on. This was, I think, really the pinnacle. I mean, his voice is still good, but it has moments. He can't do a lot of things. But this one, I think, was really like where he just had, was borrowing from everything. All of his ability was just on point. And one of the, the harmonics that dime gets on this is fantastic mm. and i always love that sort of vibe he gets like him and zach wilde are the only two guitarists who had that sort of they do the pinch harmonics yeah and well, have you seen videos like you probably have where he shows how to like you barely hit it you catch the thing and then hit the whammy just to like catch that note and just like make it squeal there is i don't no, know how you do there it. is nobody better ever doing that playing guitar with a whammy bar and making yeah. the whammy bar do crazy things yeah it's a risky thing to do that live and make sure you're going to catch that thing and pull it, you know, and get that squeal out of it. If not, it's going to sound like a dud, but yeah. All right. So let's listen. Uh, Steve, you have anything? on? No, Richardson? you covered it all. Good job, boys. <laughs> Good job. All right. <laughs> let's listen to number nine song overall. Revolution is my name off of reinventing the steel. Let's take a listen. really good i agree with you on the vocal where he he brought it all together yeah yeah a little bit of everything Damn. he was just on it yeah he's and the song still like there's so many parts we haven't even uh, and by the way it. you agree with me on the vocal <laughs> was it i agree with both of you guys i heard the sabbath thing in there too on that on one of the sections only yeah 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 his vocals on that are just killer it's such a such a groove and that's like they're pretty much their their thing man yeah and the movement you feel and yeah yeah, it even swung a little bit on one of the grooves that they switched into like whoa that's what i was talking about these weird like abrupt tempo changes but it still works and it's it's got that i think the texas in them just kind of comes out where it can swings yeah i wonder uh, how they did the metronome on that or if they did (laughs) they did not they did not (laughs) you don't think they did no i can't imagine they did yeah, I don't think so. Vinny is—he was always one of those guys who was just I, on. I think they did a lot of this live, and I think they did the rhythm stuff live, and I think they did yeah. that, and then Dime would come back and do the solos overdub, and yeah. that sort of thing. It's like they get it, they play it a hundred times until they get it perfect. Especially because their dad, being a producer and had a studio, they were growing up around that, and so Vinny did a lot of the, most of the producing with this. Um, so he also had that sort of headspace of like being on the other side of the glass and, and everything. So yeah, that would have been a tough session to line out on any of their songs, but especially one like that where 
there's four different sections with really different fields yeah, to, to land everyone at that that yeah. same feel at that moment. Yeah, yeah. It, the, hum, the humanity part seems like yeah. there'd be some rub there. And but it's super tight. Yeah, super tight. And that's why this song was stands out on the album yeah. to me. No, it was a great tune. Now the next song we all have on our list. Mm-hmm. One of us has it much higher than the rest of us. <laughs> Is it me? It's me. Okay. I have this is my high one. Oh god. Uh this is off of Cowboys <laughs> from Hell. This is my number twelve. This is Cemetery Gates. Yeah. Oh, it's my number twelve. Uh, yeah. So it's both <laughs> of your too. both of your number twelve. Uh, and it's my number four. But for me, great intro, very soft, and obviously it's melodic and softer from it for uh for them. But one of the coolest things that I just took from this at the end of it. Mm. They have a call and answer with Phil singing high riffs and then Dime doing it, but pretty much doing it with a whammy, Mm -hmm. the entire thing, and repeating every line that he's doing. And they go higher and and higher and higher and higher until Dime wins at the end. But it's sort of like you and your brother in in your video. (laughs) (laughs) It just just keeps going higher and higher and higher and Uh higher. And he just... And it's battling with the guitar, but it's all in the pinch harmonic yeah. into the whammy, and it's and he it's, achieves and those notes that with the whammy, few yeah, can, yeah. yeah it's, uh-huh. it's crazy good. The lyrics were inspired by the death of Phil's friend. It's kind of about joining a lover in the afterlife. That was generally this is number thirty-five in the guitar world's hundred solos of all hmm. time. So solo is amazing. It's just great vocals on here. This is, I think, one of Phil's best vocal performances. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, under Pantera even though he can't do it anymore I, I, but. even though yeah well <laughs> and I know this isn't his favorite song off that album either but that said uh, it's seven minutes long but this song feels short yes it doesn't feel seven minutes long well, there's a radio edit that sucks that's out there too but yeah oh, I've never heard that too. thank god the the riff comes in it's so <clears throat> identifiable with the song it's just it stands out from anything I've ever heard as a guitar player which says a lot mm. and yeah I love this tune so Steve go ahead for me, the reason it's in my top 12 is number one, people seem to like it a lot. Like I, I gave this number 12 because I felt like I had to. Same. This is not why I love Pantera though. I'm not crazy about heavy metal rock ballads because I don't like the guitar tones. I don't like normal playing guitar that pop rock bands do in a metal setting. His vocals are good, but in some ways, I think, I don't want to say they're cheesy, but in some ways, I, I feel like I don't like it. I don't like the style of it. I like the aggressive, riff-driven Pantera. Now, I just said a bunch of negatives. So, from a songwriting standpoint, it has merit. It's good. It has their changes. It has the things that make them them, but it mm-hmm. and, and it has meaning with the you know the lyric and the and Phil's you know friend dying and all that. It has merit, but I think this was my token, uh, and I and I knew probably early on that I would put it twelve, even though there were like some that were thirteen and fourteen that I were that I was more excited about. Again, it's very tough, and I do think it's worthy, um, but that's my perspective on it. Yeah, I like the song. It had to be in the top twelve, <clears throat> so I I made room for it. Kind of like what you're saying. I think. It, it's definitive metal, 90s metal power ballad is kind of, uh, but it was the best of kind of those power ballads, I think, at the time. It wasn't like a poison power ballad. No, right. So, so it was still it's, on the metal side, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what was, it was showing the world that Pantera had that range and depth of songwriting because it's a really well composed song. Right. Obviously, there's the Halford 
influences in there and the the priest was the big influence on but him, i love but i love the range that phil comes with he gives you everything totally in yeah one. yeah it's a great song that's what i mean i also want to end with a positive i mean i, I love the song i just don't always think of it in my my favorite panther songs solo the is top crazy good yes absolutely uh, and then like you called out too i was going to say that the outro with the call response thing vocally i think that's really the um i think this is my touch, i think this yeah. is my second one that i'm going to play just because i don't know if steve's even actually got through the song, the song <laughs> hard enough to to go to the, i have to but the, it didn't excite me but I, I wasn't excited by the time i got to that part right but listen to the call and answer we're gonna throw I'm that on, on there and you're gonna listen but it's to that. that dime thing like we said he'll just he can sit there and hit catch the whammy catch that note and just bend it to and where he, he can, wants it he can mimic anything you do with a freaking whammy bar it's crazy it's just absolutely uh silly so let's listen to our number eight song overall Cemetery Gates off of Cowboys from Hell. Okay, here's the call and answer section. those notes <laughs> i love that ad there that's it's so killer and one of the other things i love that i motioning to jake and i don't think if jake was following me Mm-mm. during that song where phil's singing and then the whole he hits a note and the whole band stops while he's hitting the mm-hmm. note and it restarts i love when people do that mm-hmm. and Pandora yeah tasty and little bits yeah. there yeah so anything else steve i liked it i think he could probably do the whole song Sing it still, except for the last part. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, that last part is crazy. <laughs> I don't know anything about where his vocals are now, yeah, but he, he could do that. And I don't think he can find mm. a guitar player who can play with him at the last part anyway. I know. Well, people always try and push. They're always saying um, you should get Zach Wilde and do some sort of Pantera reboot. But it's, I mean, Zach's great, but he's not dime. They're two different right. dudes, you know. I think I think it may have worked at one time, but now that they're down to two, it's just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's leave it alone. It's one of those things. Just let it be. All right, let's jump to number seven. That was number eight, Cemetery Gates, by the way. And then number seven is off of. This is another one that I sat out on, but mm. in all fairness, this was my number thirteen song. Okay. <laughs> that just barely flew out of my list at the last moment. This is off of Far Beyond Driven. This is Steve's number ten. And Jake's number one. Oh, man. I'm broken. <laughs> so, Jake, go ahead. <laughs> I, I love me some Pantera, but this song is like my song. I think it's one of the best all-time guitar riffs, in my opinion. Monster of a song. The down tune with the hammer-ons and the, the little Texas bends in there that you could just you could hear their style all over. I think it really just showcases that signature Pantera groove and gives me chills every time. Yeah, that's a timeless mess. I'm the same way. I put um, on my list just Steve gives it's, Jake chills. It's the <laughs> cla- it's a classic riff. 
and I put it's even Jimmy ish, you know, like Jimi Hendrix. It, it, it yeah. has that thing about it. Cause it's that blues like, soaked. Yes. It's just, yeah, it's coming. It coming. makes you feel like the essence of rock and roll. The first four yeah. bars of the song. And you're like, I'm in. Cause you could play those notes, but without that feel, <laughs> exactly. it's not the same riff. <laughs> and it's just yeah. great. Yeah. I pretty much wrote the riff makes this for me. This yeah, is totally. The, yeah. The thing that really stood out for this song out of everything is the Carl's Jr. Commercial that was made from it. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't For the know steakhouse that. thick burger. I love that. That's that's just that's total I don't recall that. <laughs> yeah, in two thousand fifteen they had Oh, I do remember <laughs> hearing something about that, but I didn't hear oh, I didn't no. see it in in a commercial. Black Angus beef, crispy onion strings, blue cheese, A1 steak sauce. All the flavors of a great steakhouse, now on a burger. Introducing the Steakhouse Thick Burger, only at Hardy's and Carl's Jr. In all fairness, that was after the band was not around anymore, and they just cashing in. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Might as well. And you don't sell albums anymore, so. Yeah. But seriously, I love the way the main riff comes in from simple, and then it starts getting a little more intricate. And he just kind of pulls it. Hey, this is number 13 for you, all right? No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I still, I'm still talking, baby. 12 and a half? Wow, 13. Oh, my God. 13, and it's my time. one. Yeah, this is your 10, Steve. Don't talk too loud. <laughs> <laughs> it came as a sound check riff that they kind of yeah, found. and Pulled it out of his butt. And Dime says uh, it's where the best riffs come from. And this is Yeah, I agree. Of, mm-hmm. And uh, this is the best, one of the best riffs I ever wrote. Yeah, and, and I'm saying that, so that's wow. Good. I'm, I didn't know that. Dripping with groove. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> All right, because I believe him. The way he plays it, I believe him. See, we both agree. I, I'm totally with you. Uh, so let's listen to number seven. I'm broken off of Far Beyond Driven. Let's listen. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I love about it, besides all of it, is the way he does. Because you could go down, 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 which would be Led Zeppelin kind of, but but you ha- he adds a little down, 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 down. Yeah. He adds all the little soulful right. notes to it to make it go oh, yeah. and the drum on the second half adds into that the kit with the kick. It, it's then. You go do a verse that's kind of kind of rock and cool, but then it busts into a totally different riff that's like just as cool. Yeah, as it could the, be a whole other song. Mm-hmm. It's so to me that is the bet. If I think of Pantera, that's what I think of. That could easily be in my top five as well. I don't. I, that's why I was three. my number one. Yeah. All right. The vocals were great too, though. Yeah. That might be one of my favorite vocals that it, he did. Yeah. It pairs well. And it's funny because this is about, I think, his back pain on Broken that he was yeah, bringing up. And he's headbanging in the video, and that's the like the reason why he has a screw. And partially, that's the reason he got into all of the heroin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The heroin. Because you can't have back surgery when you're at the peak of your yeah. uh, because touring he, career. Because he wanted to get, and they said, yeah, you're going to have to set up for two years. Mm-hmm. He's like, no. He's yep. like, no, yeah. And so was, I'll just take pain meds. Self-medicate. And he took pain meds, and then he's like, oh, well, heroin's even better. And then just drinking Drinking and drinking and doping Tragic. and yeah, he had a punk rock vibe to him. 
I, I noticed coming from the uh, that underground sort of like they covered um, Poison Idea on that the Crow soundtrack, so you could tell yep. he was coming from a lot of that stuff. That's why, like you said, it's so weird to hear him do this Halbert stuff, but also come from this underground punk scene, right? And just be Phil fully reminds involved me of, of guys I knew in New Jersey and that uh, some good friends of mine who were just metal guys and yeah, we living it, living yeah. it, and I, it's no different. It, yeah. it, it felt like they like know Phil, they know every band and they can tell you everything about them. People, people just, like, oh well, Phil's scary. <laughs> when I hear an interview by him, when I hear him talk, I feel like I know him. Mm-hmm. I feel like I knew him. I feel like I was friends with him already, and yeah. I know the dude. And I don't. And as Phil would say, you don't f-ing know me. Who f-ing knows <laughs> me? You just hear interviews. What the hell? So I don't know you, Phil. But just right up my alley, man. So cool. All right, so <laughs> all right, that was that yeah, wasn't Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> oh, was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, Just don't do a piglet. Oh, oh. Okay, Jake, can you do a piglet? Can you do a piglet first? I don't remember piglet. Hey, he just sounds stuffy and uh, annoying. <laughs> what is it like? Oh, poo, I'm so yeah, he's just a downer. <laughs> well, him and uh, hi. Eeyore, I guess. Eeyore, I can do. You could probably do ER. Everybody can do oh, ER. Oh, bother. <laughs> that's pretty much, that's dead on, everybody. Let's yeah. hear it for Jake. <laughs> Thank the you. best ER impression. You've won the trophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. He did it again. <laughs> did I do it again? Yeah. Uh, I got, it's, it's the Michael Jackson in me, I guess. Or maybe it's Tigger. Isn't that the Tigger sound? <laughs> it's, I have kids oh my God. who watch poo. Oh, my gosh. I know. Yeah, I know. It seeps into our lives. Yeah, it's just like anything. Before we get into Mickey Mouse impressions, let's move on to the next song. And this one I was surprised that Jake didn't have on his list. Maybe it's just too popular. Oh. This is number six overall. Steve and I both had it very high on our list. It's off of the vulgar display of power. Fucking hostile. Oh, yeah. And for me, this is just everything that's great about metal in one song. I love this. This is my number three. This is Steve's number four. It's like one, two, three, four, and they're off. It's just great thrash. So good. Chorus is so good. The drums are the star really on this, along with Phil's like onslaught lyrics and just like pop, 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 pop. And I love the anger in his voice. Like when he's fucking hostile, you know, you can feel it. You, you feel it, yeah. I, I totally he's feel it. He's angry and you get angry with him. You listen and it's therapeutic. There's going to be a lot of bleeping on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be my edits. Well, their yeah. song title was Bleep too. We just got to no, call, call it hostile. F star, 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 by G. Go ahead, Steve. I like the yes. punk rock edge it to is, this. Yeah. It's a whole band effort. I think it's an anthem for angst and masculine mm. uh, discord. <laughs> it just has that break through walls kind of sound to it. Also, when he does the hook, that also like there's a. He, I think he's running his vocal through a grunge pedal or a distortion yeah, pedal. It's distorted. you hear it. You hear it cut off too. He actually recorded this in the studio next to the engineer and the producer and he had it distorted on purpose hmm. to your point and he's sitting there and at the end of the song if you hear it feeds back the feedback yeah. at the end you know what it is it's feeding through the monitors no phil at the end of the session 
throws his microphone in the trash can. And <laughs> oh, effect, that's the effect, sound. And that's what you hear. Right. It's, it's definitely hostile. live and in the room. Yeah. And, and it's almost like like Henry Rollins. It has yeah. that thing. Yeah. That, that aggro that, that, yeah. male sort of just. And I think that's what I loved about it. Roided it out. <laughs> everything that I love about Pantera on this record. Yeah. Like I knew from the top, from the first listen of study, it was in the top 10 for sure. Mm. Like right off the bat. And then it stayed there too. Yeah, it, I had it in and out a few times, and it was hard. This is one of those things, this band, it's like there's a lot of songs you could pick the obvious ones and then kind of insert some of your own special favorite ones, and this one just got edged out barely. But like I said, that the count off, the one, two, three, four, just bludgeons you, right? Right from being the punk rock feel. You know it's coming. Yeah, and you hear that, and you're just like, yes. Like you get and all of a sudden, one, and you're this just one's ready. not groove metal. No, but it's this is the thrash. It's yeah, straight ahead. Even yeah, even the solo is maniacal. Like it's kind of just loose and and wild. Um, and yeah, of course that ending with the with the squealing and everything. But I, I like it how he slows it with the wah in the back. Yeah, and I think the placement on the album is great, and it lends itself to making the song greater because it's it's right after um, walk, which is just kind of that mid tempo stompy kind of thing and then it go before this love which is kind of the down kind of mm -hmm. other one so it just it stands out it's like this weird kind of moment in the album where you're just like you don't know what happened to you it just it's comes like, in this kicks your like ass just to make sure that you know we're freaking metal man <laughs> yeah they're just gonna come out and play this song it's it's so perfect where it is like you said jake oh and <laughs> just as a complete sidebar if you want to hear a different complete version of this we did a uh, jake and i did a, a leo, leo leo marciali the podcast a while back and he does a version of this song like a loungy jazz but he does one. a loungy jazz version of this it is crazy good it and is it's, good. It, it's it's crazy good because it's so different and so unexpected from him because he usually makes a metal cover of a pop song yeah and this is a like a but the a solo jazzy. he leaves metal like oh yeah, all of yeah. A sudden it kicks in and, and he just, even has the dime bolt and he has the kiss sticker on mm -hmm. everything anyway wow complete sidebar but that's not episode 49 i've touched that guitar before you know i at one of the at one of the concerts, the, no, the Nam shows where it's just posthumous. Oh, oh yeah, that's cool. it was there, and it says "Do not touch." But of course, I'm going to reach out because <laughs> now you can say you did. Yeah. All right, uh, let's listen to "Fucking Hostile" off of the "Vulgar Display of Power," and just by the name, it's the "Vulgar Display of Power." It's interesting. The "Vulgar Display of Power" came from the Exorcist. Just the side. Yeah, that's something I learned actually from this. Yeah, that it was. I all, should have said that earlier. Yeah, when the. They said, I don't want to make it a vulgar display of power yeah. to cast the demon out or whatever. All right, let's take a listen. Was there, was there concert scary at any time? Yeah, I, I tried to stay away from the pit because you could see it was a violent, always violent. So I can feel it. Yeah. Like, well, in 96, I was way up, Great Western Forum, way, way up there. $20 tickets, but I still was scared looking down. We were, All our friends were looking down there at this pit. The whole floor was just circling. And it was just like, I'm glad I'm not down there. Then as I got older, we were glad we were down there, but wanted to stay away from the violence. Because there's always some people in the middle, but... I kind of, yeah. <laughs> at that time of my life, mm -hmm. I enjoyed going in the pit, and I enjoyed yeah. getting a bruise or two. At, like, totally, it's part of that. You went to the show. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that sort of thing. You want to get roughed up a bit. 
right. but not too much. Not too much. I don't want to get beat the hell out of. Yeah. You know, you want to be there. I, for I the just show. want to get like, and I was a bigger guy anyway, so it's I, I can do some damage. But just kind of throwing around and getting in there, that was fun. And and most of the time, people are cool. You get knocked over once or twice. I got knocked over. There's always one dude. skinhead guy with his shirt off who has something to, to prove, you and you gotta whatever. stay away from yeah. that guy. Yeah, this is a dude who wants to kick and hurt and <laughs> mm. whatever. But ninety nine percent of the people out there are just there to have a good time and get physical and get violent, but not in a way that they want to really hurt yeah. anybody. But yeah. for that band, I, I wanted to watch. I didn't want to spend time sitting there doing all that. I was just trying to take it all in, you know, be up there as close as I could. But Phil would yell at the... If, right, if I saw down, that. Like, yeah. I saw that. I want he would call you pit out. Here. Yeah. There's a pit here. I want Open up another floor, one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's go another one. Let's go. <laughs> I just hear that music and I, I know how I react to it. But you put, you know, 5,000 people, 10,000 people in an yeah. arena. Like Feeling what, that. And then you all feel it at the same time. You it's just like, want to start throwing little, your elbows in the... Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't. I hope the sound system was good when you went and saw them play. It being my first concert, '96, it, it probably didn't matter. I was looking at him, and I was. It was that thing when he kind of looked. They looked over towards you. You're all of a sudden just like freaking out because it was just. I, they were like, you know, the cream of the crop to me. So it was just. I, if I had met them, it would have been too much at that point in my life. I couldn't have dealt with that. It was. It was like the first time I went to see Kiss. Yeah. When I went to see Kiss, they're bigger and, than life. And so it was it's, like, oh my gosh, they're physically here mm-hmm. and i had crappy seats and I was yeah the but you're in deck. the you're in the same i know huge like, room but, like, but you're oh still my there. gosh yes. i've listened to these guys for years and i've there yeah, they are same that's what it kind of was yeah. for me i've met rex and Vinny, um not phil and obviously do you have not pictures Daniel. please yeah okay send them where to um what city in la outside of roxy and then Vinny was always at nam show and i would uh, get a couple pictures with him and just kind of tell him and he's signed he drum heads for me his head on his shoulders Vinny, he's I, a business dude yeah, yeah for sure well even and i have friends who live in vegas because he had a house out there i think that's where he was kind of posted up the the towards the latter part of his his life and he would just have open parties for people just to come like he wouldn't just open and invite everybody but if you knew somebody somebody he would just let you kind of come swim in his pool eat his food drink and barbecue he was just that kind of dude always every day it was just kind of that sort of spirit of just um i have these things but let's just That's all the enjoy texas it. in him it is yeah it's that kind of southern gentleman um down home stuff that they and had he partied on. hard and yeah lived hard and yeah i mean it had to be hard for him to lose his brother yeah he was a different guy after that for yeah. sure and and being watching it that's the hardest part is that he was like yeah and watching right that there. whole thing like he wanted to go attack the guy but he right, had the but... roadie grab him, and the gun, the gunman was actually looking for him mm-hmm. afterward. And if the the roadie wouldn't have pulled him out off the stage, he was next. He would have been dead yeah. too. So, I, I would say, in all of my research about this, which I'm thankful for, because any band that that number one, we would want to do a podcast. But any band that's really made it or has a record deal or whether we like them or not, or you have to give them kudos for for being in it. You know, for being at least at a level where someone thought that they were good enough to go to the next level and Mm -hmm. studying this band and watching the different dynamics and the youth and their dad, all of those elements I related to and I see the Mm. passion and I see the the high school band and then this dime diamond at the time, I guess, you know, he 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 had a gift and it was like special like it's and, and then his brother was just as talented but but dime carried it he carried that thing and that unity between them they were like the the musical 
Yeah, the visionaries really depth that yeah. that someone like Phil lucked out, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, seriously, all, all of them. Even like, though he's a badass, he yeah. lucked out to be counted with yeah. him because they all need they all need that ingredient, that special thing that that's up to at least that caliber to be able to stand among the pros and even a, a higher above them. I watched an interview when they were in England, and it was with MTV in in Europe. I don't know who the the girl was, and it was just Diamond Phil. And it was innocent. You could tell they were just starting to do this. And so they were pretty like available. Yeah. And I watched the chemistry between those two, which is kind of what drove the band left, right, center. And I watched how Dime needed Phil and how Phil needed Dime. Like I could see it clearly. Yeah. And the ego really from both because we're they're just human. But Phil's ego, how Dime actually needed that to be that little spark of an expression through the voice outside of music that that made them kind of point, made them kind of blow up a little bit. Yeah, that I agree. That's that's really spot on too. I think because as much as Vinny and Dime had the, the obviously biological connection, I think there was something with Phil and Dime specifically Correct. that they just like had a that mutual love for each other. Not just the connection, but also like the ability of what they brought and kind of edged each other to be a little more, a little this and that. They needed each other's gifting to yeah. make what it was. Yeah. To make them as good as they could yeah. be. That was what was hurtful of when it breaks. Yeah. That's it's, why it's a divorce. Right. That's why and it's, it's those bands. Yeah. When you see that the potential and like the what ifs, like what if this yep. didn't happen and that didn't happen? What could we have? What if sound never happened? You know, right. that kind of led to this whole. Mm hmm downfall of pantera like right. pantera probably who knows if it's always weird when you go back and you look at time and you go back and what if down never created they stayed together and or maybe down and then they came back together right away and he's like dude mm -hmm. i'm just doing this for give me six months let me mm -hmm. do this and i'll come back they wouldn't have started the other band and then they wouldn't have been playing at that show in a small club where he, he got murdered if yeah, because Damage Plan wouldn't would, maybe have yeah. even been a band if Phil was more available. They right. would have kept doing Pantera. Yeah, and if Pantera wouldn't have been playing a small club. Okay, but, but okay, but so you know what I'm saying? It's, it's biggest, like at that yeah. point, what that whole right. the what ifs that we keep if, talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. All right, but I think the biggest impact. I, I one thing I appreciate about these shows is when you do this, you don't want to come on and and say check one two and talk to the world potentially about something that maybe they're more passionate than you are or mm. know more than you and, and be, mm. and be disrespectful. So going down the rabbit hole of the documentaries that are out there and the cult following and all that, that the one thing that jumped out to me in that is almost like the, the thing you can't forgive was the magazine article where they were like, someone needs to beat, beat him down. They like like that, right, right. Yeah. that crossed yeah. a line to fanatic cultish type fans mm. that may be crazy would do something as messed up as kill someone as what happened yeah, and i right. think that from what i've gathered there that's heavy in why there was never reconciliation mm -hmm. even when phil grew up and, and but phil was also saying things from the stage when he was playing with down because he'd have people screaming for pantera or he's actually pantera this is the new band that's dead. That's mm. old stuff. And it got back to Dime. It's hurtful. And Vinny. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden that became even more of a rip. And they're like, oh, wait. 
I'm hearing this. Yeah. I'm hearing the other this thing. This empire you've built that's on top of the world, really. And then all of a sudden there's a dissension here and you're kind of trying to figure out no one will talk to you. You're and, hearing it through all these other people. And Phil is talking off the top of his head while he's Hi. missed. Yeah. Well, plus I think he, and I, and I say this respectful and I wouldn't want to be, but I, he's a very extreme narcissist, you know, which I think lead singers and bands yeah, it's inherent. have to have uh-huh. that thing <laughs> yeah. that's like, I'm the shit and I yeah. know what he had that thing. And if Dime, but if he is overshadowing him, mm. the jealousy that that would cause and the rage that would cause. Mm. And here's the deal. Nothing Phil could have done, in my opinion, could overshadow who, who he was, who Dime was. There's nothing that could there there it's too deep. The river runs way too deep for yeah. musically speaking. Yeah. He's just one of those dudes. It, it like, just you join people like that. You yeah. don't go to war with people like that. Right. Especially when they're in your band. Gee, that's <laughs> like blessing. That's yeah, like right. a miracle. Right. You know. But maybe he felt Oof. like just in saying this, at the time, not in his right mind, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I agree. I think he's not in his right mind, but he's also wanted to be, he was the shit. Maybe that's what he thought. And he, if he went back to Pantera, he could not overtake dime in that band from a musical point of view because of his brother. Those two were so tight. It's like a lead singer going in the Van Halen and saying, I'm going to change that band, then make it my band, then screw the rest of the whoever's <laughs> like there. That. It's not going to matter. It's a David Lee Roth right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you're coming in, to that, he was messed up. He was completely out of his mind. He was starting a band that was fairly popular. Down did pretty well. I think, obviously, we could speculate here about the right way they should have gone about this, but I think that there's a time to kind of be like, let's put this aside. Even Soundgarden has done this. You know, they took many years off after that down on the upside. They're like, we're not a band anymore. Let's kind of just put this aside. No promise to revisit this. But when it does happen, it's the right timing. You've, you're fresh. You kind of like maybe you've written some stuff, experienced this. You bring it back to this this mix with these people that you've had this sort of relationship with. And now you can pick up where you left off with the right headspace, the right sort of like forward thinking, and then make new albums that are good. But if you push that, you're kind of wringing out that towel, trying to get what songs that you're just it's, – it's formula stuff that's not going to sound good. And people can tell – that's not organic that you're just trying to serve the the music business and and make a single for the radio or whatnot i think the the drugs in the back and the and the yeah the struggles and you know what fame yeah and success kills people it destroys yeah. people it it exposes flaws in character it, it's and i don't and care everyone's who you watching are. i don't yeah. care who you are it yeah. just that's just what it does we we have a history of watching rock stars and movie stars and that it crushes them. It, it literally crushes them. So to, to sit and look from a distance and not judge, but to, put to like have a perspective, yep. it's like one thing, but to be in it, you just have to have grace and go, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. It's going to happen because they're, they're human. Yeah. Okay. This was number four style. <laughs> oh, we didn't even hear the song. <laughs> no, no, we already did. We Good because my computer did a whole like update and restart this whole time. <laughs> this has been the, the Good Lord. The Jake update break. But are, we needed are, are that. I think we needed that because oh, yeah. the, the, there's a story here yeah. Yeah. that that goes over all of these albums. Which is bands. super important to really it totally it yeah. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. It it 
it lends itself to appreciate this stuff more, I think, when you we kind of have that sort of understanding of the backstory and and the personalities involved. I can't imagine we wouldn't have this conversation during this podcast. So. Agree. Yeah. The number five song overall, only one of us didn't have on their list. <laughs> and <laughs> this song, hmm? Phil's vocals on this, I just like his vocals in other songs that pushed it down. It was in my top 20. And it was just, I kind of flew it around, and you guys had it very high on your list, so that's why I know you're going to hate me for it. What is it? Number five, off a of vulgar display of power, Mouth for War. Mouth for oh, War. Oh, gosh. This, go ahead. That's my number two. And that's Steve's number three, and that's my wow. my number 15 or something. You know, maybe it's because, like I said, this was my first song I heard of Pantera. Oh, okay. There you go. I was in, like I said, in my buddy's dad's truck we're sitting there and he has this great sound system and this is the opening track and this is what i feel like this this album is definitive metal if anyone ever asks like oh yeah, yeah. what's what's heavy metal i would just hand them vulgar, vulgar display, display power, power. Yeah. i think this song and the album established their sound of that power groove that that we talk about in my opinion perfect opening track hit you with that the grinding guitar that like a abrasive like that tone it's just like buzzsaw and then into the slippery verse riffs like he's he's all over the neck and again it goes back to that feel of like you wouldn't really pick up on that unless you're paying attention to kind of what's going on with that up and down stuff Vinny playing actually almost becomes part of the riff in the song more than a lot of his songs yeah because he's not doing cymbals or hi-hat in the beginning it's he's on the floor tom and just the the kick pedals it's just very much reinforcing that like low end stuff there and then it kind of brings it up later on yeah of course we talked about phil's aggro vocals that are just like that's what taps into like the the male heart that just pumps you up and then of course the all-out thrashy neck-breaking outro that it's it's such an important song and maybe i thought maybe it was just to me so I threw it in there pretty high, but um, apparently... No, for me, it's the same thing. It's it's yeah. the guitar riff feel, something is that that hits me deep. You yeah. said it, but you said everything that I could say. Like, But it's riff-driven rock at its best. Definitive metal is what yeah. I always say. But. It's the best way to kick off the best Pantera album, period. I get it. And as I said, love the song. It just didn't, for some reason, didn't quite make mm. it for me. Uh, and maybe you guys liked it because it was a black and white metal video. Yeah, I remember that video. They're yeah. playing in this room with a bunch of uh, kids, and they're just like headbanging around them. Yeah, no, I know that's the the whole cool uh, metal video thing. I was gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Rob but, was like, "What about that bare naked ladies video? Remember that one?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they should that, was that, so. that was a quote. That was a quote. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Ooh. anyway <laughs> oh let's play the next song by PC Quest <laughs> oh god <laughs> right. mouth for war alright let's play mouth for war off a of vulgar display of power the number 5 song overall from Pantera let's take a listen That was number five. The riff for me. The vocals are good, but the riff, dude. That groove on that is just so nice. It's so slippery. Like the way he's like he's up and down the neck. Remind me of Ministry too. Which song? It's heavier. Mm -hmm. Kind of that. 
I don't remember. I don't remember the name. I think but it's that sort of like kind of a dirtiness of to it. That buzzsaw. I think guitar tone. I think it's actually yeah. the bluesy southern kind of thing to it. Mm. It has that. And it's the octave. Like a uh, thieves. Maybe that ministry song. But when I, I thought that stuff was heavy, and then I one, hear one, this, and yeah. I'm like, oh my. Yeah. Gosh, like right. this is the way, this is... but the way they do it, it's amazing. They, it's what what he does is he tunes it down, and this mm. is just a complete sidebar. Most of the stuff he tunes down a full step, right? But he does a forty cents additional. So that's why if you ever play with some of the Pantera stuff, not necessarily this song, but I know there's other songs that he, forty cents is pretty much what he played down at. So it's forty cents on top of it. So four hundred. What would that a, be like? A four hundred plus instead of four forty. Instead of 440, it's 400. And then, and then, a, de- a, step and then, a, then a step down. Mm, so fine, that, that's cool, why you yeah. get a down plus a little growl. Balls. That, that little balls. Mm. And not only that, Rex is usually playing right along with him. Yeah. And the bass playing the same notes as the lead guitar player for the main riff. Yeah. Reinforces just that. Super powerful. Yeah. And well, especially plus, when he's yeah. playing it low anyway. Yes. And it's just all of a sudden it's down lower and you hear the bass going along with it. And it makes it so deep and so like guttural and mm-hmm. so. Uh. The next song we're going to talk about is off of Far Beyond Driven. Stems from a lawsuit. Oh, okay. From uh, San Diego, uh, heckler was bothering Phil, uh, so he incited the crowd to jump the guy who was right. heckling. <laughs> right. Great <laughs> and story. Sued, and the father said, "I want five minutes alone with that Phil Anselmo." <laughs> and Phil said, "I want five I minutes want five alone minutes with that." Yeah. <laughs> I doubt you do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you do. And uh, obviously, the name of the song is Five Minutes Alone" or "For Far Beyond Driven." This is on all of our lists. This is my number five, Jake's number six, and Steve's number eight. So I'll take the okay. take the lead on this. Great riff. I love what I call skipping the riff. With, which is his muted picks that he does in it. I love the lick leading into the verse. Where he yes. It it's, where it kind of hangs yeah. for a few uh, beats there. And yeah. the groove is mm. freaking amazing. The vocal delivery is amazing. The yeah. pre-chorus riff is so solid in this with that touch of wah that he has. The bridge is great. Everything's great. The solo is amazing. The changes mm. are unexpected and just lift it up to the next level. And... I just love this tune. So, uh, Jake, you're next. Yeah, you said it. It's it's a classic monster of a groove riff. When I hear the song, I always visualize the the music video. I don't know if you guys have seen it, where the camera angle is angled just to the point down the neck, and I think they drop, they detune the strings so you can see everything yeah, just. I, I saw shots from yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, and it's just it's some something about that just resonates and you feel like when, especially when he pulls the whammy and just flops the strings at that one part and just hits it. There's something about just watching the strings from that angle that really, I have that visualization now with this song and it's, um, that's why it's special. Yeah, there. it probably wobbled already, but you put a Floyd Rose yeah. on that. It's like, whoop. Right, imagine that floppy bass sound. Yeah. Where it just sounds like farts probably, but yeah. I think for me, it's the same story. It's what I love about Pantera. I love the story. You brought it up first. I mm-hmm. love the story about this, of of just the rebellious nature of, you know, someone's heckling or whatever. You jump him and then, then, I, want five, I want five minutes alone with you, Pops. You know, or <laughs> I love the rebellion part of that. But then also it's the classic riff-driven thing I love about Pantera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So let's listen to Five Minutes Alone off of Far Beyond Driven, the number four song overall by Pantera. Yeah. 
that was yeah. five minutes yeah. long. Oh, I love the simplicity. Yeah. Uh, seriously, of like the verse, and then in some of it's like I don't even know if he's hitting a note on 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 the yeah like ghost the, notes like. But I love it because young guitar players can hear this and go, I can play that. And it encourages them to to play. Yeah. So, but then you also have like you were talking about before the course the little. It's like oh, what is that? And then right before the bridge, it's really good. Yeah. Listening to it, you guys won't hear that unfortunately, unless I can play like an hour of this song. I just Dude, play it's really just play it on loop. It, it's the best of of Pantera. It really is. Uh, yeah, five Plus minutes. a great title. I like the title. The name. It is cool. Yeah. And the story behind it, mm-hmm. it's, it works. So that was our number four. So now we're going to jump into the top three. And the top three, I think, are songs that people would have heard of. And starting with number three, this is obviously on all of our lists at this point. I think the rest of the songs are on all of our lists. This one is off a of vulgar display of power. This uh, uh, should I tell you what it was? Let's just say what it is. Is it this low? This is Walk oh. off of wow. Vulgar Display of Power. I'm, hell- I'm pumped. And this is Steve's <laughs> number two. And Jake and I both had it on our list. I did. Uh, I had it in the middle. Jake had it in the bottom. All right. So to me, this was the most noticeable one for me it as is. a generic '90s kid, mm-hmm. a kid '90. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing this and going, "Holy crap! This is a new level." No pun intended. Right. right. Um, and going, "This is new." There's something about this that I think, Phil, it sounds new to me. It's not, oh, that sounds kind of like Metallica. Oh, that sounds like Judas Priest. Oh, that sounds like, it's like, no, this is new. Like whatever, when he busts into that part, I've never heard that before. The one cool thing about this song is Mm. it's so pervasive. Not only people who are alive in the 90s, Anna, I played this in the car. She goes, oh, I know that song, Walk. And, And she was like, she like knew it. And she's like singing along with it in the car you know and and she's 13 there's some songs that have like a little magic switch to it this song has it and and you don't maybe know how to explain it but when it gets to that part it's like oh gosh i'm sure it's maybe they're one of their biggest commercials probably right that's what i was gonna say like if you played walk People people would probably be like, I know this song, but I don't know who does it. I don't know anything about it, but it's familiar to them because you probably have been exposed to this song at some point, even if it wasn't by choice. But it's not a down moment for them. It really no, is yeah. a big moment for them. It's not a, right. oh, the Bandera, they and that's why, on this and one. It's, it's, kind, like, it's no. sort of the staple for their groove metal. Yeah. Right. And that's why in my notes, I said it's a bit overplayed. I think that the reason why I kind of have a deference to it is because it's it's just so like this is a song that's always in your ear, right. but it still holds its own. It's an amazing song. It's it, it's so simple, like that riff. It's a yeah. it's a one just fret a bend. bend, bend, yeah. But but he made this whole song. And the vocal on this is a hook. Yeah, that's the difference I think yeah, with this yeah, one. Yeah. When it comes into that vocal, there's something about this one and another song that's probably on our list coming up that does something yeah. that 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 makes a song i don't want to say generic in a bad way but like a a pop filter yeah, yeah. kind of way it's accessible i think to more people be as much as we say that diamond vinnie had a connection i think this is one that shows sort of diamond phil's connection where yeah. dime, dime had this really cool idea and did it but phil Lucked can sit out. here and, and like do this <laughs> yes. sort of like thing over that that just magically yeah. makes this song because the wrong vocal could destroy the song yeah. 
because it's so simple. And, and it's in 12-8, though. It's not, yeah, it, right. It, the timing is really weird. But but that's up to Vinny to sit yeah. here and just do that laid back, like, boom, sh- boom stuff. It's a hit, though. It's a hit, it whether it's metal, it's pop, a, it's rock, It's a foot-stomping, like, it's metal real, marching yeah. um, song. And the dime solo is freaking fantastic yeah. you know what's my favorite part is it's when the wah stuff when he goes like like he yeah, drags yeah, his he fingers drags up finger, yeah three times it, and just it, does that it, thing such, such a showstopper yes when he does that yeah, yeah. no I've, I've seen it i've seen videos of concerts i haven't yeah. been to your concerts we're gonna but. play the whole song but for you guys there's there's tons of heavy bands <laughs> that were around at this time but few could groove like pantera and i think that's what with this song kind and of just is, laid that and down. this is the staple of groove what year what year because i don't have 92 92 the year. drum stops in the pre are so good. I just freaking a, and the chorus, stadium singable. Yeah, no doubt. Anyway, let's listen to "Walk" off a of vocal display of power. Our number three overall. Yeah, that was walk. That's a swingy thing to it too. <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it's a groove metal. This is like the staple for them. This is like this put their stamp on everybody who didn't know them, and that's why it became so huge because it's metal you can almost dance to. Not quite, but yeah, you know it, what I mean. It's, it's simple, but it has that swagger. Even it ZZ can, Top vibes. Yep, that set of Texas, Texas, Texas dang, and also dang, even like you're saying that stadium rock thing, like that um, sort of like the re. Spect, like everyone can get involved well, in that part. Plus, if you are it, you talking to me? Right. It has a song structure, so you hear a definite verse, a definite pre-chorus, a definite chorus, which we've been mm. trained as listeners. Yeah, you expect to music that. Yeah. to pop music to digest it that way, mm-hmm. to receive it that way. Hmm. So it had all those elements, and then the simple lyric of "Hey, you talking to me." It has the depth of Pantera, but it has a shallowness that relates to most people. <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, dudes. Yeah. All right. That was Walk, number three. Mm-hmm. Which means we're down to two. Number two. Two hmm. songs. Number two is off of Vulgar Display of Power. Mm-hmm. This was somebody's number one. Was it mine? This was Steve's number six and Jake's number eight. This love. This is your number one. This is my number one. You know wow. what? I, I'm okay with that. Rob. Yeah. I like the way that it clicks in. Hmm. I like the way... That the guitar lick marks the transition between the light and heavy sections, that kind of pulls it in. He, there was no real way to do it, but Dime makes this lick that runs, and you'll notice that every time before they go into the heavy part, Dime runs this little riff that he does, and it goes into the heavy part. For me, it's fantastic. I love some of the lyrics. I kill myself for you. I kill you for myself. Turns it around. Uh, It had the thrashiness, but it was like unexpected and it hit you in the face with it. It was softer. You hear Mm -hmm. Phil's vocal timbre and he he has this great voice. And then it kicks in. It's like, you know, this love, what love? And and, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's just like, what? What? This is amazing. Although Beavis and Butthead kind of ripped on this song. (laughs) Yeah, I remember this was on one of the episodes. Yeah, he's like, is that, is that like tear Pantera? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's crying. You know what I mean? That's what he's talking about. 
I think I like the contrast of you think it's going to be one thing and then it flips a switch and you're in hyper mode and and it's amazing. When it goes into that section, you're like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Because it starts with a pretty clean guitar yeah, and which vocals, yeah. and then it kind of lures you in, and then it escalates into a, a right hook to the face. Which is <laughs> yeah. one of their best little riff things, too. Yeah. It's one of those, it's a quintessential Pantera song, for sure. But it's it's one of those heavy power ballads, but the Pantera way. When you when it goes into this love, do you does that still... I'm, at, I'm literally asking, mm. does that still qualify as a, a ballad? ballad yeah i don't know that's that's what i mean it's a pantera way where they'll kind of like i think that's what they makes mess up this stand out is that <laughs> you're you're tricked into feeling something and thinking something so you're invested kind of going along with this ride you're like this is a ballad this is a and ballad. it's like just oh, kidding oh. yeah <laughs> it's kind of like um, and then they go back in you know what i mean it's just like like i don't know if you know that the rollins band henry rollins song the song liar where it's, it's kind of like yeah. that kind of cool jazzy thing and yeah. all of a sudden it just gets this aggro uh, other side to it so i think it's kind I of i think uh, that's the the biggest rollins song yeah it might be his biggest, knows, yeah, yeah in that video and everything yeah but and also uh, the the video he's wearing Phil's wearing a down shirt. I don't know if you know. Yeah, and I that's did. yeah, that's before even Down was like released that first album. So it, I saw that. Yeah. And that was uh 92 and I think Down album came out in 95. He so He's cheating already. He's exploiting his band, his other side <laughs> band. All right. So let's listen to the number 2 song overall. No more head trips by the way. Uh <laughs> This Love off of Vulgar Display of Power. The number two song overall. Let's listen. Good place. No more head trip. That's what. You say to a girl a lot, right? After you're married. It's so good. I like his just love, and he does the counter vocal, and then the back half, the drums take it. Without the guitar bridging the two sections. And they still break time after the guitar. He breaks yeah. time over the top. Right, it. but it, but it, it like symbols... Something's it's, coming. It's the break that kind of... He does a bluesy lick, and yeah. it like takes everything away. It's like, oh... That's a cool bluesy lift. And then it enables the transition. It's just fantastic the way they do that. Yeah. All right. This love, that means there's one more song left. Mm, I know what it is. I think you know what it is. I think I know what it is. And Jake, it's all, it's all on all of our lists. Is it my number 10? It's off of the Cowboys from Hell album, the lead track from Cowboys from Hell. And it's Jake's wow. number 10. It's my number two. And it's Steve number one. Wow. So Steve, lead us off, brother. Mm. All right. This is riff rock at its best. Mm. The phase guitar intro, uh, the guitar underneath, it's ultimate rock. To me, I like it because 
it's not overproduced. It's before the production tools of Pro Tools and it's analog. It's not as clean as some of their hard hitting, hard punching stuff. Mm-hmm. But it is the start of the band that we are doing the podcast for. And that's yeah. why, to me, it was like this door is opening and let's see what happens. And that's why I honored it. It was their identity. I mean, they kind of yeah. made it like. ZZ Top was that little old band from Texas, mm-hmm. and Pantera was the Cowboys from Hell. Yeah, CFH. Although, this is one of those interesting songs that almost didn't make the album that was named after it. They thought that this may have been a little bit too commercial and not thrashy enough, so they were mm. worried about it before they came in. But listening to it, I don't see that at all. I hear that Dimes riffs in this, mm-hmm. to your point, it's one of the best riffs yeah ever the manager fought for the song to be on the album and he was 100 percent right and rex plays a little rhythm on the song and just a killer killer song jake yeah you hear that intro and you know this song is coming it's their anthem really it placed them on the map i think that's really why this song has such significance and really this riff, I think, signaled the arrival of a, a new guitar hero in Dime. Because when when you heard this, you're kind of like, oh man, that was that's a tasty thing to kind of come up with. It's crazy good. Yeah. And as much as it might be a little cheesy lyrically, yeah, um, you, you can't deny that this this song is, uh, yeah, it, it's it's You have so to understand, good. you know, this is still, they're coming off of the glam. Right, phase, right, right. And this is their first album in the new format. And still holds its own. Yeah, even and Phil though, is yeah. maturing as a, a lyricist. Anything else real good? Did I say Did I say anything? Yeah, I think oh, I think well, I kicked well, it well, off. You you kicked kicked it off. Wait, it's my number one. It's yeah. your number one. Like, I love this song. This song is great. And it's the number one overall. <laughs> and you nailed it, Steve. The Number one? Yeah, you nailed it. This is the number one overall. It wow. meant, I think it hit all the boxes. It checked all the boxes for me. All right, let's listen to the number one song by Pantera. The one that started it all, Cowboys from Hell, off of Cowboys from Hell. Let's take a listen. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. Cowboys from Hell. All right, I have a question for Jake. Hmm. The real fan. When you saw them live in 96. They closed with that, didn't they? When they played this with the more modern sound that they had at that time, how did it hold up to the tracks that sound better sonically later on the studio albums? Did it hold water? 96 Phil was different, obviously, than the 1990 Phil. The same what thing. What about like the guitar tones and the, and the way it punched? If anything, it was more. I think live it would delivered more because I agree. Because that at would be this my point, guess. they they captured a great moment in time. What they sounded like. If, um, if your tone's better, yeah, and you're still delivering the same it's, riff. It's, it's gonna escalate yeah. the, the. And riff, like we yeah. were talking earlier, that official live album, you can hear them doing this song much later on in um, '97. Official okay. live came out, so. When you hear that, obviously, I mean, Phil was, wasn't the healthiest, but you could tell kind of the, the same energy they approached it at with a little bit more, maybe a modern um, approach in uh, the, the tones too. But 
it always delivered. This song is is their anthem. That's why I said it. It makes sense why it's up there, at the, uh, right. number one. Even to you. Yeah, like Phil has the tattoo CFH on his side of his head. They meant business. This put the pole in the ground, the flag. I give Phil credit for both of those tattoos that he has on his head, the strength and the CFH. And he has a TR neck. And he has the uh, belly one. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying the ones on his skull. Yeah, it's got to feel good. Kinda, huh? yeah. yeah. I mean, when I got mine, it didn't really hurt. Yeah. I just grew my hair back out. Yeah, that's right. You can't even see it. No. Yeah. You can't even see PC cleft. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's her anthem. That again, hey, it, it just comes down to it, man. This is great. Uh, this has been fun. I mean, and we're, we're gonna go into the just missed the cut. And Jake, I give you props, my brother. Mm-hmm. You are the first person to go through since we've started this three person, which isn't that long of a, a set, right? But you're the first person to hit eleven of twelve songs this in, time. Yeah, in the in this, the only one you missed was Suicide Note, oh, which is the song you're going to discuss and just missed the cut, because well, that's the only song you can discuss, because it's the only one that missed the cut for yeah. you. So, go ahead. Yeah, I had a feeling. This this song, I didn't expect to be in everyone's list, uh, but it's it's just it's such a standout track to me, and I feel like maybe I'm sort of the, the minority in that. But um, this one, I think we talk about Phil and Dime really shining, and this one really shows, I think, the, the songwriting between a guitar player and a vocalist. And everything else is kind of texture around that. There's really great radio-worthy melodies going on in this one. Um, it's almost Alice in Chains, which is why I kind of like kind that. of yeah. yeah it's but, like sap. Almost. But they hung out. I mean, they were they were kind of peers, you know. Despite the darkness or the subject matter of this song, sure. Um, sure. Beautiful twelve-string guitar, keyboards. I think marrying it with part two makes it Pantera. Yeah. If it's just on part one alone, I don't feel. Well, it's funny because when I saw them in '96, before they came out, they played Suicide Note Part One over the PA, and as soon as Part Two came out, the curtain dropped. It didn't like pull sideways, whatever. It dropped, and they just hit into Part Two. Yeah. So it was really cool, kind of just like because these songs don't go together, but they they do also. A friend of mine, the same friend who, you know, we listened to Pantera, I dubbed his CD on a tape because that's just, I was always behind it, always recording people's albums. The The tape ended it's after Suicide Note Part 1, and I had to flip the side to Part 2. So for me, it's easier to kind of separate the two, but really they are, it, it, it goes together well. Because as soon as the Part 1 ends, it just blistering hits you, punches you in the face with Part 2. It just stands out to me as some of their finest work. It doesn't fit the Pantera mold that you would think it would, but it really is. It's kind of unexpected from them. It's the best singer-songwriter song by Pantera. <laughs> yeah, I, I think not just on the guitar, but vocally, it's just it's honest. I think it also is what kind of connects to you. You can just tell that it's just not what trying to put. What number was a, this for you? Five for me, yeah. This one actually played with my bottom of the list. Yeah. Uh, for like 11, 12. I had another song that I put on the list, which I liked better, that had sort of a Alice in Chainsy sort of feels. And that's number Was it 10s or something? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say. Tens. And I, didn't I wanna, think I also I, rivaled 10s. I, I, I didn't want to put both of them on. Yeah. So that's why this one fell off for mm-hmm. me. I like this song quite a bit, although it doesn't feel like Pantera. It's not that. Yeah. As I said, if you merge the two together, and I actually sent out a notice that. Do we include both of them together? Yeah, I remember you said because that. Because yeah. if we would have included both of them in one, then you would have picked then it. Then I may have picked it. All right. So Steve. Yes. Let's see what you missed. You missed three songs. 
mm-hmm. which is one better than me, which I missed four songs. So you're, you're, you're second, a solid second place here. Mm. The Great Southern Trend Kill, which you're I number love five. That song. You're number seven. A I, New I Level. I love that one. And uh, a New Level. I love that. What's, what's wrong with you guys? And Domination, which is actually Ooh. on my list. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was me and you matched on number 11. That's both where we had it, but Jake didn't have it, so it didn't quite make the list. But man, I, I could tell you a lot about that song right now. Okay, I'll let's pass. not even talk about it. Okay. Steve has his choice of <laughs> what of the three songs to talk about. I think for me... Great Southern, Trend Kill, A New Level, For that one, that one. Mm. The last album, or the last album that I calculated, really, like the one where they were like a force... I mentioned it earlier, they reached a level of taking it up, each album, to be harder and heavier. And I just wanted to respect what they did on this track. Because it is tight, it's it's so hard. Yeah, it's aggro. But it (laughs) is freaking powerful. And to me, I thought it was worthy. I love the way it ends with that, like, palm muting and that other stuff that Dime's doing at the end. Yeah, that long outro. I yeah. love that part. It's it's such a brutal opener and a fitting title because it's not trendy at all, this, this song or album. They're not trying to fit into anything. They're coming at you harder than they did before with the previous album. Parents hate the song because, like, when I said I was 16, when this, 15, 16, when this came out, and uh, it was it did not go over well with you know the prince. I think it's the hard. I wrote in my notes. I think it's the hardest song I've ever heard. Like it's, it's the heaviest song yeah, I've ever heard. It's funny because <laughs> when I was, um, in, I went to COC college and I was taking like an audio production thing and I had to make a project that was like a commercial or something and I sampled this intro because it was so abrasive <laughs> and aggressive for like for hearing plug commercial. I had to like make mock something up, but because it's just so like in your face right from the get-go it just it's uh yeah yeah it's abrasive how'd that go do you have a copy of that we can I see do. It? Yeah. link it to the show <laughs> that'd be great this ad is by jacob Duker. i mean i didn't know what i was doing with uh mixing and stuff but, <laughs> but everything the content is there having problems hearing <laughs> listen to this now you can't f-ing hear anymore <laughs> f- you <laughs> Oh, golly. All right. So I had four because I was the the loser this round. (laughs) My number seven was Primal Concrete Sledge, Hmm. which I love. My number 10 was Tens. My number 11 was Domination. We matched, Steve, as I said before. That's a good tune. And my number 12 was a weird one, which is off of their live album. They had two tracks that were on there and yeah. where you and where you come from i like a those lot those are great tunes i'll just do number seven primal concrete sledge off of cowboys from hell the double bass is just going from the beginning i love the main riff melody and how it ties in really well with that chorus the rap like delivery in the verse the breakdowns are done so freaking well tar run out of the bridge what he does there is just great this is phil's favorite song on the album and I get to quote Phil again. That's why what? I have to do it. Really? Uh, so, yep. It's so. just a quote. It's just so, a quote. So this is... This. Get the sensor beep okay, ready. Okay, here we go. <laughs> beep. It, it's, it's a brutal song that came from fucking nowhere, man. <laughs> we were in between takes while recording Cowboys from Hell, and Vince started playing this beat that made all of us lose our minds, man. Uh, Dime starts playing this crazy guitar part. I start scrambling down some lyrics. 
The next thing you know, it's a whole song. It's just, it's just magic. <laughs> so I love this dude, and I just, I, I just love the trodginess and like deep grindy. Oh, just feel this song. Yeah, that the buzzsaw guitar rubs against that drum pattern, but it still works and it, it catches. Like it, it feels like it's losing time, but it's still still like trotting along. Like you said, for the life of me, growing up, I could never figure out what Vinny was doing in this thing and I listened to it and um, now thanks to YouTube today I can see like people covering it <laughs> and you need there's like a he has the right the hi-hat on the right side and just a lot of time work so now it kind of makes sense it doesn't make it any easier to play Great. It, it's insane it sounds like some like warm-up exercise that drummers do that he turned into to a song it's a quick song like it's like I think it's only like a little over two minutes but it's it's cool it's the payoff the bridge I think is the big payoff for me Let's just remind everybody what our Dirty Dozen was. Number 12 was Underground in America. Number 11 was Floods. Number 10, Becoming. Number 9, Revolution is My Name. Number 8, Cemetery Gates. Number 7, I'm Broken. Number 6, F***ing Hostile. (laughs) Number 5, Mouth for War. Number 4, Five Minutes Alone. Number 3, Walk. Number two, This Love, and number one, Cowboys from Hell. So thank you guys for being a part of this. This is so much fun. You're welcome. What a blast. It was good. And and, uh, thank you, Jake, for driving this episode. It's great to see, like, the person who had 11 songs on the top 12 list be Mm -hmm. the deepest Pantera fan of the bunch of us. So, um, Well, I could have gone, I don't know, a little more personal and... Take well, it left, left no, wing. No, obviously you could have went like the deep yeah. cuts or whatever. Yeah. And my favorite songs or something crazy like that. But I think that we have a really good list that kind of, for people who don't even know a lot of Pantera, mm-hmm. can become Pantera fans by listening to this Absolutely. List. Which was me in this. So I, this was like a research for me. Mm. So I loved it as a generic 90s rock lover that loved what was out and listened, but didn't yeah. like follow. You got you to know? deep dive and yep. so all respect. And even cool. for me, I'm like I'm a big metal fan, a big metal guy, uh, but I didn't know a lot about Pantera. And as I said, a month in, big fan now. So yeah. I totally understand. It's a prototype. I, I think you can listen to so many bands now, modern metal, metal, and uh, see that they're they're yeah. pointing towards a lot of the stuff. Yeah. And I give uh, Pantera props because everybody else was going grunge and everybody else is doing alternative mm. and everybody else is trying. Metallica is doing the Black Album and all this other stuff. And Pantera, thrash, yep. heavy groove metal. What we're doing, maybe. Trent Kill was almost a little bit like doom metal or death metal, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of that. It wasn't commercial, that's for no, sure. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, but they kind of stayed, you know, hardcore all the way through. It's interesting. Now, uh, once again, if you guys made it to this podcast, thank you so much uh, for listening this far. And we have a special surprise for you at the end of this. So check the end, end of this out. Uh, please, please, please like this on whatever podcast you're listening to and maybe share this with a friend. Just let somebody know that would be awesome. It's interesting that two weeks from now, after I'm doing Pantera, 
I am going to be doing Toby Celine Keith. Dion. Oh. I am doing Toby <laughs> Keith, which is almost the same type of job. Uh, I'm glad I didn't sign up for that. It, 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 it's, it's going from yeah, Pantera to Toby Keith to Five Finger Death Punch. So if you oh, like Pantera, good. we're going to be hitting Five Finger Death Punch, not next episode, but the one after that. But listen to Toby Keith, you may be surprised. It's totally different from Pantera. It's just weird how I go through this different journey. It's like listen to Pantera and flipping the switch. It's just like... Yeah, you have the biggest load to carry uh, stuff, above all of us, for but sure. But I tell you what, it's so much fun to do. And I'm yeah. sure you guys, like Steve, digging into Pantera, which is not necessarily in your wheelhouse. Jake, obviously you're doing Pantera, but you're going to be digging the Five Finger Death Punch. And I think that you'll really fell in love with them because they really have some solid stuff mm. and if you like pantera if you like metal it's what's happening now in metal with five finger death punch i guess singer is incredible yeah and let me know what you think if there's any bands you guys want us to cover next season let us know now okay as soon as you want just post it on our facebook post it on this uh, podcast wherever you want to post it email me i don't care so only good bands. Huh? Yeah, well, only good bands. Well, you can say what you want, and we'll vote on it. So, if you say uh, like Spando Ballet, we're in. I'm on. I'll do that one. <laughs> the only person I got that from so far is Steve. <laughs> but submit it. There's no bad bands. Well, there are bad bands, but there's no bands that you shouldn't put forward because even if me or Jake. It isn't in our wheelhouse. Somebody you loves like that them. band. And I did Genesis two weeks ago and, you know, all this stuff. I would never have done that on our own. So pay attention. We have a song from Paradigm, which is Steve's band from the 90s, coming up at the end. Anyway, I'll see you guys in two weeks. God bless. And thank you guys, both of you. You're welcome. Thank you, Rob. Bye-bye. All right. Be well. See you later. Hey, everybody, we have a special bonus track. We're going to actually listen to a whole song. Is that all right? Sure. Uh, Steve's band Paradigm off of, what was the name of the album? Too Big for the Garage. I think it was 1995. And this name of the song is Fly Away. So check it out. If you like it, check it out on all streaming media. And maybe Steve will put out a vinyl. You never know. <laughs> so uh, check this out. Here it is. I can put it on. Fly Away.
We, hey, uh, that was Fly Away by our own Stephen Petrie. Thank you. Lead thank singer. you. Thank you. And 